0: So everybody, Bass Brotherhood, you got Alexander the Great here, a.k.a. Lead Pacer, with the Mace Philosopher. Thank you for joining us, brother. Yeah, no problem, man. Happy to uh, share some time
1: with some other base Brothers.
0: Yeah, we had to kind of sort out some audio stuff, but um, thank you for being patient with us, and and here we are. So yeah, so let's, let's just jump right into it, man. So you were talking about we need our own platform. Um, you know, I've been saying this a while because we're just so fragmented and atomized, you know? <laughs> In, in this space and you know twitter's um it's changed a hell of a lot the last few years you know i mean it used to be pretty damn base just in general but then everybody's kind of gotten systematically removed and everybody self-censors now we can't really say what we're thinking because we know we'll be gone quickly
1: this is and, true
0: uh, yeah
1: yeah and i think it's from the internet just in general like we have um Left the, the era just the wild, wild west with people just posting everything they want, and everything's become so commercialized from YouTube to Instagram. Everything's about making a dollar, and like the trade off is when you're making a dollar, it has to be palpable to the rest of the world, right? And yeah, most of the world is kind of soy, so you're gonna lose a lot of that authentic nature of humanity when you start to put yeah. some money in play. It's just the nature of the game.
0: Yeah, I mean, things get centralized, and then people start, um, you know, it's kind of interesting because it's like when a new platform or anything new that gets started, it's like irreverent, it's provocative, it's different, it's edgy, and that just draws people in. And so then it starts, you think about everything, like Facebook, I mean, that was like face match of like, you know, kind of like a hot or not in like Harvard, you know, like 15, (laughs) 20 years ago. And then it changes over time, and so it gets bigger and bigger and bigger bringing more people in. And now it's just like a totally uninteresting place. And it's Boomerville, like the most basic bitch conversations. And it's like, you know, they're losing users now. And young people have, they, they don't even go on Facebook, you know, like they don't have anything to do with it. So it's like, seems like that's kind of a natural life cycle of these of these kind of platforms. And it's just making money too, right? Like, you know, these guys wanna make money and so they wanna scale it and make it as big as possible. But along the way, these great things get lost. And then people like us who are like creatives and risk takers, and, you know, irreverent dudes, we got to go find something else, you know, or or kind of play ball.
1: <laughs> yeah, see, that's a, right. That's the tough part. Because it's like, unless you're a made man outside of the internet thing, where you can kind of say whatever you want to say, you kind of are upheld to that standard, because now they got to the point where they can block your IP. So even try to make new accounts for another phone, you're still fucked. So, right. uh, like I said, the guy who can figure out, I, I, you're probably not going to be rich. It's probably going to be a passion project, but maybe there might be some community support. But the group of guys that can kind of figure out how to put together a platform for, like, just dudes to kick it, that mm-hmm. guy's going gonna to make a lot of popularity. But then again, the same shit's going to probably happen. Other dudes are going to find out there are less of the risk-taking type, and they're going to migrate over and eventually lose that fucking spot at some point.
0: <laughs> yeah there's something about like too you know you're right and it's something about the guys that are really good at this shit, like the silicon valley execs and that there's a certain kind of person that's like you know physiognomically physiognically challenged you know, no <laughs> physicality no sex appeal you know can't go to a bar and and pick up a chick i mean which that's kind of like for me a barometer. like that's an old school barometer like can you walk in a bar or can you like see a girl on the street and like strike up a conversation and get her number like these guys can't even conceive of that shit.
1: Dude, are there like, the? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I was. That's another topic. Like, nightlife, yeah. bar shit. That that's a wrap, man. That that days, those days are just going out to go find girls and shit. It's not over now. I mean, it's it's pretty much over now. It's just a basically, it's an Instagram photo session. Whatever you go out to a nightclub at this point.
0: Now, days, now let's talk. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's talk about that though, because you're like, are you in Austin? You're in Austin, right? Yeah, I'm in Austin, Texas. Yeah. So like I lived in Austin for probably like 10 or 12 years, spent a lot of time there and it's a, it's a vibrant scene and it's, it's changed a hell of a lot. You know, I remember going to old Sixth street, you know, back in like in college and it was, this is like, so I'm like 38. Yeah. This is back I'm like 30, 15. Yeah. 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 Like 15, <laughs> 20 years ago. And that was a cool place. And then it became more of like um, West Sixth. people were going out to West Sixth, and then, the East side opened up and then repeat. And now it's just, it's dude. I mean, it's and there, I, I remember Rainy Street. I remember Rainy Street like back in 2010. I remember going to, uh, what was it? Lester Pearl, mm. Lester Pearl. Lester Pearl was one of the first bars and there was just nothing on Rainy. And then over the course of time, like Rainy became the place, right? Right. And now I guess I guess like there's like they're building condos and stuff and that's even changing, but no anyway, I'm 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 going on a tangent here. So, like what's the dating scene uh like in Austin for a, a 30-year-old guy?
1: Ah, oh, Man, it is there's a lot of college kids. So that's the beauty of it. Is you got a lot of young tenders kind of moving around. But their mind, the mind of the modern woman is like it's kind of fucked. So, there used to be like how could <laughs> <laughs> Like it, how could it, it could really have, is. Like Yeah. yeah. I, I say it's, called, it's almost like a bell curve. And so what happens is, like, before, like, I will say, like, the alpha or base dudes to be in the middle. So you have to have, like, I think to be truly base as a man in a relationship, you have to have a healthy amount of, like, pimp and a healthy amount of, I don't want to say simp, but you can't be so cruel to the point where, like, girls are just like, I'm doing everything I can. This motherfucker still doesn't want to do anything with me. He's still treating me like a piece of shit. And right. you also have to not. You got to have some like charm, you know, some yeah. charm. Uh, yeah. You got to be able not to reward. Because I think a lot, of, a lot of things that are lost in young guys, they think they can treat all women like shit. And it's like, no, if yeah. a chick earns her place like this, you got to adjust accordingly. So right. what happens is we have women basically taking from the two extremes. They're dealing with either extreme simps or extreme pimps. And when I say like a pimp. Essentially, they're dealing with guys that are completely emotionally available. They're just pretty much digging sticks for the most part. Mm-hmm. That's all they're doing for them. And women are looking like, well, shit, because most girls, they're, they're risk averse. So they don't want to be in a – I firmly believe most women don't want to really be in a healthy relationship because if a guy is really <laughs> a healthy dude and he's doing what he's supposed to do, they don't want to look at it like they're the reason why the relationship fell. they rather enter into a relationship where they know off the jump, like, okay – I'm not even into this guy that much, but his resources, what I can get from him. That's I rather deal with that so I know I can cut it off whenever I want to. Or they rather deal with like chasing the guy who's in the top far, like the futures, the drug dealers, the guys who are completely emotionally available, and they like that thing of chasing the guy. But then you have a a small percentage of guys that are constantly in the middle where they understand how a relationship is kind of like give or take. Like it's still my way or no way, but if you do well. We're gonna have a great time. We're gonna be able to go do some stuff. But if you're fucking around with me, you're you're messing shit up like no, you gotta get out of here. And right. women try to stay out of that particular situation because it's it means it means they're a failure as a woman if they can't maintain a healthy relationship with a dude that's actually level headed.
0: No, oh, you're right on, because I mean now they're accountable. Exactly. And uh, now it's like, you know, and that's something I've noticed with 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 a lot of these younger people is they um you know, they enter into things and are like looking to disqualify people. And, you know, I've, I've, I've got someone I'm not going to name, but I mean, it's my younger brother. I mean, I'm not (laughs) who's a single guy in Portland and he dates these girls and he's a wonderful guy. You know, he's a good dude, but he dates these girls that are kind of, you know, trouble. They got these things going on. He's God, I'd love to find like a healthy, you know, just natural sweet woman. And I'm like, do you really? Because if you do, that means now you're going to have to get your shit together. Now you're going to have to step up in certain ways that maybe you haven't in the past. And is that really something that you want to do? Like you say you want to do it, but do you actually want to do it? Are you willing to, you know, get married? I mean, are you going to raise a family? You're going to be the breadwinner. You're going to have to work a little harder. And it's like a lot of these people just don't want to disrupt their own lives by that. You know, like they kind of have, you know, the material things that they want and they've got like their little, you know, their friend situation, their friend group is what they call it, I guess. And um, they kind of, they have a hard time. And like that kind of, those kind of things come first, the material situation, your friend group. And so they're, tr- they're trying to find someone that's gonna fit their life instead of you meet like this incredible person and then you find a m- way to make it work together and adjust. I think people are having a hard time with that, Mace.
1: Yeah, and I, I said, it always stems like, at least from the woman's age, because I look at it like every guy is a general. And when you bring on a woman to your life, like she's now like an officer. Now she gets promoted as she goes, like an officer, uh, captain, lieutenant, commander, blah, blah, blah. She rises up the rank, but she's still below you. And the problem is a lot of young women, they're getting trained by bad generals. So you got to think yes. like, and I, I take it back to like the school system. You got a bunch of young dudes with all this fucking testosterone. No real mission in place because they're fucking being trained by women in schools. They're um they're stuck in these classes they don't want to be in. Their only real outlet they have is sports to some degree. But a lot of those kids are not even in sports. They don't have any real mission. So if you're right. a young dude with a testosterone and all this shit, what else are you gonna fucking do? Except for go after young, fresh pussy that you should never be like be around in the first place. Cause if we're looking at it from a like Homo sapien history. This is literally the first time in history that young dudes had access to pussy, like 16, 17, 18 year old, 19 year old pussy. Usually those girls were getting married off to fucking a warrior that was coming back from war if he proved himself. And that was kind of like how their life is. So now you got these young dudes who've been programmed from society, um, girls, blah, blah, blah. And they're dealing with women who have the utmost power at the height of their powers. So all these young mm-hmm. dudes are kind of simping right and so girls are pretty much being conditioned from like a young age to basically how to run a simp, all the way up to they get to about college and they get out of college and they come out in the real world they meet like dudes like us that are just fucking dudes and they don't know how to interact in these relationships they don't know how to fucking play their role because they're so used to being the top dog right at least in their food chain and yeah does that make logic
0: no it it totally does but i'll tell you something crazy dude that I'll, i'll like it was kind of a fucking wake up call for me was I, um, you know, one of my good friends, he's got a 16 year old son. This kid's playing football. They have a friend from who's, uh, like an exchange student that's living with them. And like their dad is kind of disconnected. Like he's my age, but he's kind of really in his job. And so I'm kind of in like the popular culture stuff and know what's going on a little bit. Cause I got the time for it. Anyway, we're like talking about like, they're like, holy shit, this guy knows a lot about what's going on. And I started talking about Lana Rhodes, who was dating that guy, Logan Paul's friend, Mike. I forget yeah, his yeah, last yeah. name. Lana Rhodes. And I, and they're like, I was like, yeah, what do you guys think about Lana Rhodes? Like, oh my God, she's amazing. And I said, well, would you date her? Like, oh my God, of course, of course. I'm like, dude, I mean, this is, this is, a, I'm sure she's a nice person, but man, this girl has been run through. She was a porn star and these guys are like 16 years old. And I'm like, this is what you want to like have? Like, I mean, like they're, their whole like mentality about the kind of woman that they want um, or what they idealize is so different. And I remember, and I told her, and I told this guy's mom, I said, you know, like these guys, they think a lot of roads is just a shit.
1: <laughs> and she was like,
0: they are so warped. You know what I mean? And I just think about it now. Like, dude, we never, like when I was 16 years old, I we, we weren't like looking to date porn stars. No, dude. you know, isn't like, you know, you know what I mean? Like it, it so their, their minds are warped. These young guys. It's,
1: it's, uh,
0: as as oh go ahead. ahead i'm sorry
1: yeah i was gonna say you can finish your thought i apologize i didn't mean to cut you off
0: no i mean like you know the, the the women are warped but the young guys are warped too and kind of like what they think they can get and you're right man like it was it was uh their expectations are entirely different and the one thing i've noticed as well i don't know if you if you've seen this but these guys um some of these younger guys like teenagers in their early 20s when when I was dating and, and you know going out with chicks and having a good time, like you enjoyed their company, you had a good time, like you was it was like a fun experience, you know, like you enjoy their feminine energy. You do your, but it was it was fun. Riches
1: aren't fun anymore, and that, bro.
0: Yeah, but it's like <laughs> and, and but it's like very transactional, you know. Like and a lot of these young guys aren't having they're not having sex. Like you know, one of these du- yeah, there's one guy, God, he's in his early 20s, he just lost his virginity, and he was telling me about this girl that he met on an app first of all, like that's a, this guy's like way, you know, but you know, that's, that's he's, it's taken him a long time. There's kind of this delayed adolescence thing going on, but he met a girl on an app and he's explaining to me how they're, everything's going, you know? And I'm like, dude, he's like, yeah, you know, like, you know, we've been talking dirty to each other and you know, like, we're going to hook up. I said, dude, do you like her? Is she cool? Like, do you guys have anything in common? I mean, I'm like, why are you telling me all this stuff? Like, I mean, I don't, I don't care about like you getting to that destination about just, you know, transacting and having sex. It's more of like, are you enjoying her? Are you having a good time? Do you see a future with or whatever? And that was, I think there's a lot of young guys out there that are having like their perception of about relationships and sex and love is totally different than what I experienced.
1: No, I agree, man. It's like, um, how can I put it? It's like, they are looking at women from just a pure sex point and that's it the fucking yeah like you're talking about like there used to be a time where girls were just fun to hang around like they would actually be polite now they want to tell you about their social justice views like guys are dealing with a lot of fucking bullshit just to get laid and how can i put it it's like the price of pussy has skyrocketed but the price of wives is so low now like to be a wife is such a low barrier guys are mm-hmm. paying more for pussy up front than they are for their wives if that makes any yeah. logic and it's well we're
0: seeing it i see we see it happen in miami all the time dude i mean i, I, <laughs> I you know, my wife shows me this TikTok, and um you know she's like you know base lebanese girl you know she's she's awesome and you know raised in a culture where there's still um you know traditional values and all that but she comes over here and she sees some of the things are going she's like holy shit like this is a corrosive culture but he showed me this TikTok of this chick that's like you know all tatted up, like fake boobs, fake everything, and she's pulling eighteen hundred dollars a date, and she, and there's no and there's that. no expe- there's no expectations of sexual you know performance or transact nothing like that. It's just to be seen with the guy. And I'm thinking, I mean, look, is this girl going out on like you know twenty dates a week? I mean, I mean, I don't think so. Maybe it's something where every couple of weeks she does it, but. You think about that. I mean, she might be making ten grand a month.
1: She goes out on five dates a month. That's insane, right? Insane, dude. I was talking to. It's it's a fucking sad game because somebody's gonna wipe her up. Like like I'm saying, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because it's like these guys have got in this position where women have been their minds have been warped that they have deserve like a certain amount of money. They deserve everything. And so they're saying like for intimacy, you you gotta pay this much up front, you gotta do all this. But when you ask them like not ask, but like what can I get out of you from being a wife? Well, you get the same thing that you got from me to date. And it's like that doesn't make any fucking sense. And mm-hmm. so women are looking as the the I mean it's always been this way. If they're looking at marriage as like the end of the game to get their get the, the security of the payment, that's all yeah. it is. And guys are like, well, I'm Lock just – in the resource. Yeah, and guys are looking at marriages like, okay, now I have in-house pussy, and they're not thinking <laughs> past the point of, okay, what are we building out of this together? Because no, no matter what guys want to say, they are guys try to shit on a lot of, ch- they try to shit on chicks a lot, but your your wife is your most valuable asset outside, like your most valuable external asset, at least on the way yeah. I look at it in your life. Like, there's not going to be anything else that you're going to invest as much time, effort, and energy and resources in. It's going to give you as great as a fucking output. So Yeah, I think
0: you tweeted something about that the other day. I think, and and, I, and you're right on about it. And it's, you know, the reason to, I mean, think about it. If, if you're getting married, it's it's a 50-50 contract. Like it's, it, it's, you know, unless you have some kind of a prenup or whatever, but most people start off and you're trying to build something together. So it's like 50-50. And who do you want to have kids with? Who do you want to spend the next 30, 40, 50 years with and build something together? I mean, that's how you think about marriage, not as in like this is a this is a fine ass piece of pussy that I need to lock in. I need to lock her up.
1: And that's like what you, you can't think
0: like that. But yeah.
1: yeah, like the calcified, like guys' brains have been calcified. They're so like just from it's all the social media, Instagram, all of it, it's just it has rolled into this weird fucking market where girls are only taking on simps like super simps that they can just get resources from while they chase these guys that have no emotional availability to them. And then there's a bunch of guys in the middle that are just basically being left out to hang. And there's not too many healthy chicks that actually know how to navigate this relationship. Like just myself personally, like I got a girl that's been with me for six, seven years, probably going to get awesome. married, have kids. Like yeah. we've been discussing the shit. But I had some girlfriends in between that time. And most of them just quit. I don't know if a lot of guys go with this phenomenon, but a lot of girls just they just fucking quit on you. They're just like, I, I can't you work too much. You do too much shit. You're improving too much. I'm scared that I can't compete. And so they rather fucking blow the relationship up than fucking realize that they're a failure.
0: Yeah, I I dude, that, that's that's it's so true. I've had that happen too. With, you know, <laughs> they kind of scuttle, they scuttle the ship, you know. I mean like they just kind of bomb it out and leave, you know. You know, I've had that happen to where what what I've noticed is They meet a guy like you. They meet a guy like me. I'm like, okay, this guy's dynamic. He's different. He's interesting. He's an entrepreneur. He eats what he kills. Like, it's going to be, this is exciting, you know? And, you know, and he's got a, you know, got a high sex drive. And it's like, all these things are like, this is awesome. This is great. And then, you know, time passes, whether it's, you know, a few weeks, a few months or whatever. And they're like, wait a second. Like, holy shit, like, this is, this is a lot. This is, this guy's a lot. And this I'm is every day. To, this is every day. Like, and I'm going to, and and I don't know if this is going to be stable because he's not going to go play ball and do the corporate thing. Or, you know, he may want to go do something crazy, but maybe he could do it. But I don't know if I want to go through that because that's really hard. And they're just like, God, and they just kind of check out and they're done. And, um, you know, they end up kind of settling for mediocre guys eventually at some point in time. But they really blow their opportunity. They blow their opportunity. Exactly. And I, I've, I've I've had it happen a couple of times, and I'm like, like I know I'm the best deal that girl's going to get. That's the, I'm, I'm the best deal. Like I'm going to be the most fun. I'm going to do try the most things out. Take you to d- interesting places. Meet the most interesting people. And you know, there's a potential big payoff at the end of it. But a lot of them just, you know, it, it, it it's too far outside of their comfort
1: zone. And also, it's it's that idea that they have to invest their time and energy and hope. Because like I said, a lot of girls, they've been damaged, bro. They had bad generals yeah. starting out. So they got, like, girls are not like guys. They don't learn from their fucking mistakes. They just carry that damage like a fucking boxer to the next fucking uh, fight. And so <laughs> like you, you got to catch <laughs> you gotta them they're young. So any damage they do take is like damage they have with you. So it's like, all right, well, I know, I know the devil that I'm dealing with. But, like, one girl told me, uh, one of my ex, we we talk every once in a while. We're still good friends. It's funny, though, how, like, some of your exes are actually better friends with you after you break up. She told me, like, would you give up a human dog that would do whatever you tell it to do? Like, you had a dog that you could just talk to and it gives you money it does what you tell it to do. Would you give that up? I was like, yeah, I I don't think I would. She's like, yeah, that's basically what most of these simps are. Like, they're human dogs that I can basically control, make them do what I want to do. And I don't have to do anything for it except for just be me. Yeah, and I was like, oh you know, shit!"
0: No, it's true though. But you think about it, like that guy that's—you um, know—we're talking about these different types of guys. You've got like the steady Eddie Simp guy that's going to go get a paycheck. He's going to go do whatever you want him to do. So many women want that. And then you got the guy that's like way up here. That's like he's fully actualized. Mm-hmm. Like he's got the money. He's got the he's got the prestige. He's got all these things. Now that guy's impossible because he's ungettable, Like to your point, like he's he's he can get whatever he wants, and it's probably not you. Maybe you can, you know, be in the rolodex, but it's, he's not going to commit. And then you have the guys that are like the building to that hus, hustler entrepreneurs that are like in process, and it's hard to find that ride or die chick, dude. This is bad. it's so it, it, it's so hard to find, and they just kind of you know, like you said, they they take themselves out of contention. And, um, you know, eventually I found a great one, but, um, if she, if she wasn't an entrepreneur herself and have some good grounding, there's no way I, there's no way it would have worked because yeah, wh- wh- that, that steady Eddie guy. And of course these women will like cheat on him with one exactly. of these other two guys, right? Like they'll, they'll, they'll totally step out if, if that opportunity presents itself. And we see that a hell of a lot.
1: Yeah, this is facts. It's that's the thing. It's like girls don't understand the way that a man's mind works. It's like the higher the man gets up to the level where he's self sufficient, he doesn't actually need you, besides just being a body, he's essentially just going to take the highest bidder. So, whoever the hottest <laughs> girl is that he can get, that that's pretty much what he's going to rock with. Once a man has already, that's why I'm saying, like, to some degree, it's almost a bad thing for some guys. Like, you'll never find love. You'll just be a, be a pure transaction if you get to your highest level. And nobody's with their building with you. Like, my girl, she was with me from the days I was riding a bicycle, living in the fucking bunk bed with other guys, till now where I'm like <laughs> kind of self sufficient, kind of making shit for myself. So I know yeah, she yeah. fucks with me on an animal level, like she fucks with me for me. A lot of guys don't understand. Once you accumulate that penthouse fucking house, you got the nice ass uh, Lambo, you got millions of dollars in the bank, it's easy to fucking be around you because you got all this nice shit. But then, you don't know like, when the shit hits the fan, she's probably going to leave you, more likely than not. Right. So you got it's, it's it's a tough deal. and A lot of girls, like you said, they believe in this. Uh, that's the other problem, too. It's a, it's a combination of factors. The, also, the idea that they want to be independent, make their own money, blah, 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 and do that shit. So they end up wasting a lot of their prime years when they should be kind of working with a guy, getting to know a guy, building a functional relationship. And then by the time they hit like 27, 8, 28, 30, now they want to find... That guy, you're out of contention already. Why would a guy take on a thirty-year-old woman if he's already self-sufficient? He doesn't need your money at that point. It makes no logic.
0: Yeah, no, it, it doesn't. But they've been they've been sold that by like Sex in the CD, Sex in the City, and all the bullshit out there, and they kind of think that's still possible. And there's going to be a lot of broken dreams. There's going to be a lot of millennial women that you know we're already seeing it that they're never going to get married, they're never going to have kids, they're going to be living through their like you know, nieces and nephews through like their siblings, you know, but they're just never going to get that. And, uh, it's unfortunate. I I think I saw a statistic one time that it was, I think like half of women over the age of 26 believe that they had met Mr. Right and ended it. Like it didn't work. They had met the right guy and they said no in their early mid twenties for whatever reason. And they, so half of them, are looking back and saying you know i might have met the right person but it didn't work out and i just think how crazy is that because anytime i've met somebody you know that's that which has happened just a couple of times that i think this is the right person i'm going to like take that all the way you know and i'm not going to be the one that fucks it up right like, maybe they're like hey you're not the right guy that's fine i'll live with that it sucks but i'm not going to be the one that ends it because i think you know there's something else out there but like half of women over 26, um, you know, might have met the right guy
1: and said no. Yeah, they fucked their chances up. I tell my girl all the time, stop hanging out with your single friends. They, they met Mr. Right already. They <laughs> fucked it off already. Now they're trying to make you single because they want you to join the thing. Like, oh, he's a bad guy, blah, blah. Like, t- she tells me these stories. I'm like, dude, I don't know who I am. and well, you know what you're getting with me. And a lot of girls, they get tricked. And that's the thing with the, the simping. They get tricked on the front end with all these gifts. The money, all these particular things, and they get to know the guy because that that particular realm is not sustainable. That simping thing, where you just constantly. no, it's your, not, because it's like okay, you take her on a nice date, now it has to escalate. There's escalation levels to it. Like I tell my guys, uh, one of my friends tells me, don't feed her before you fuck her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the,
0: I remember. I remember Tom Likas had this great this <laughs> great thing. You know, Tom Likas one one, like the shock truck yeah. back in L.A. But he had a, he had like. Lycus like 101, which were all these rules for guys like, you know, getting laid. And he said, you know, the purpose of dating is porking, like the purpose is to get laid. And there was a great thing, like, you know, one of the, so when you talk to a girl, you want to take her out, you'd say, hey, so, uh, you know, what time are you having dinner? So that's like an interesting question. She's <laughs> like, uh, like, like, you know, normally around seven. And so then you say, okay, so you'll be ready to get a drink around nine o'clock.
1: <laughs> That's what so I'm saying. You just
0: avoided dinner. You yeah. just avoided dinner, and you just basically stated your intentions of, oh, we're having drinks, and we might do some late night activities. You know, exactly. Which I kind of, and I and I use that line, and I got to tell you, it was it was a good, you know. I mean, I remember like, dude, <laughs> I think of like, I, I know girls that would use guys for dates, like to go to some nice, to like go to the Palm like steakhouse or so, like some great <laughs> restaurant. And they're like, yeah, I'm gonna go out with, you know, I'm gonna go out with Steve. And then, you know, I'll give you a call. And I'm just kinda like, fine, whatever. You know, I don't care. And then, you know, sure enough, they're calling you after they're tired of him and that, you know, they want to go party after that. And uh, man, they're
1: they're duplicitous, these 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 chicks, dude. <laughs> no, it's facts. And that's the thing. It's like, and they'll tell you like, well, I gotta get to know you. Well, what do you want to fucking know? What do you need to know? Like, and the other thing I I can, uh, this one girl in a relationship, I mean, we first got drinks. I said, Look, in all seriousness, you're not gonna know the real me until I fuck you. So, the sooner we get that out the way, the the sooner we can actually start an actual relationship. Because I know you gave the pussy up for less. So, it's like, you're not a virgin. And that's the thing, a lot of women are coming in with this virgin mentality after they already gave up fucking the vagina. It's like, dude, the highest honor you can give a man, and that's what I'm saying, like, if you were a virgin, it's like, well, fuck, I kind of have to respect that. So, yeah, I'll take you off to dinner. I'll take you to these different places because right. I'm getting something that nobody else has ever got. So I have to pay a price for that. But if right. I know you never give your vagina to somebody, you're not a virgin, then what the fuck are we talking about here? It doesn't matter if you fuck one guy or you fuck 100 guys. At least in my mind, it's like it's still the same principle. Um, I, I don't know what the other guy paid for his vagina. So I'm not going <laughs> a fucking step higher.
0: Yeah, no, no, it's. Uh...
1: <laughs> but that's the day to do. That's the dating it, game. It's yeah. fucking brutal. And like, I yeah. look at it now, because I'm not single, but my my girl's in Cali. Because I I fucking like a not a retard, but I was like fucking. Let me just go to Texas. I got tired living in California. Yeah. Just left. Yeah, in let's, Texas.
0: Let's, let, let, yeah, let's talk about you. Let's, let's, oh yeah, let's, yeah tell yeah. us, tell us. Yeah, to tell us. So you you're a California guy. Yeah, so we'll I was come like, back. We'll come back and we'll, we'll we'll talk about her. But um, so tell us a little bit about yourself like where are you from um how'd you end up where you are and then i'll talk about how i discovered you and all the badass stuff that you're doing on twitter but yeah give us a little a, a quick background
1: Yeah, a so quick background uh i was a college athlete played football um majored in bio wanted to be a doctor realized the fucking math didn't make any sense so i said fuck that went to yeah. teaching was a science teacher in california then the scandemic hit and uh, I was getting a bunch of free money. So I was like, all right, well, this is, I got this weird, like the great question that everybody gets asked, like, what would you do if money was never an issue? That shit actually played out in reality. So it's like, okay, what would I do yeah. if I never had, I mean, if money was never an issue to me. And I'm just figuring out like, oh, I would just write. I would do fucking podcasts, make content. And so anyway, I'm living in Cali. I'm not liking it. So I decided to pack my shit up. I go to Vegas. I live in Vegas for like maybe a year or so. And then I just realized Vegas is kind of turning into it's like Bizarro Cali. And then I was like, you know what? Let me pack my shit up and just go to Texas. I always wanted to go live in Texas. So got all my belongings, put it on my fucking car, came out to Austin. This is like the first place I kind of stopped at. and said, all right, well, this is going to be home for a fucking while. And here we are.
0: Oh, that's cool. I mean, I no, thing, I I think did Cali for a couple years. I did LA, like West LA. And then I did Vegas for a year, which it is bizarre World, dude. I mean, it's like kind of like <laughs> Frontier West with like casinos meets like california a little bit i mean it's it's a very different place it's very very different and and it can be cool but yeah it, it it's wild um but you can it, it can like i had enough after a year i was like hey i can i don't need to come back here yeah you know, you're um, not gonna
1: find any fucking there's quality people don't live in vegas we'll put it like that no
0: <laughs> yeah davis yeah, like vegas is like you know it's service people it's uh you know, it's the girls that are like really attractive there. Like they're, you know, hustling. like in an industry. Yeah, they're hustling. They're <laughs> hustling. They're doing what they need to do. So, uh, so you came to Austin. What, what, what did you, did you go, did you stop by like, you know, like Dallas or San Antonio? Or did you just go straight to Austin and you're like, okay, this is where I need to be?
1: Um, well, like previous to that, uh, when I was living in Cali during the this pandemic, I got bored. and I was like, you know what? I only mm-hmm. want to go to Texas. So I signed up for some jiu jitsu competition that was in Austin. And, oh, wow. Yeah, okay. you know, and just drove the fucking 22 hours all the way to Austin, did the competition, hung out here for a couple days, and I was like, oh, that's not a bad city, and drove back. So then when I decided to go to Texas, cause I realized, like, during the um, the pandemic, the Texas, great Texas freeze, after that shit, Texas kind of realized, like, oh, yo, shit. they're like, yo, fuck. That was crazy, man. <laughs> yeah, they're like, fuck America. Like, bro, nobody came <laughs> to save us. Fuck this pandemic shit. We're opening shit back up. I was like, I like that vibe. I can rock with that. So. That's kind of how I chose. And then I didn't get a chance to go to Dallas. Didn't go to Houston. Um, I was like, after I got through El Paso and I got to Austin, I was like, I'm tired of fucking driving. That another That's another three long, or four dude, hours.
0: <laughs> it takes a long time to get from El Paso to like, to Austin. Or like, oh my God. Like, I mean, I guess it's kind of, um, I've made that drive a couple times. Like you know, going each way, and yeah. holy shit, you realize how big Texas is. Yeah,
1: that's what I'm saying. Dude, like I was driving you, 20 it, hours. It, <laughs> it's it, like <laughs> it, it, it
0: takes it takes forever to get from like El Paso to, uh, you know, to either San Antonio or Austin. But so you got in Austin, you're like, this is cool. I'm setting up shop.
1: Yeah. Um
0: Has it met your expectations? I mean, like you've been there now for how long? A Dude, year. We're,
1: uh, we're coming close on year. I think we're about eight or nine months now. Okay. So expectations, um, I mean, it's a beautiful fucking city. Everything's very vibrant. The weather's not mm-hmm. really bad at all. I mean, beautiful weather. Women are very nice. Women are plentiful. I can't complain, man. It's a beautiful fucking city. Hold the tech spot. So it's like I'm I'm getting into coding, learning software development, trying to get into cyber. So this is the perfect little spot to set up at the moment.
0: Yeah, it is. There's, there, there's a huge influx of capital. I mean, and, and that's been going on for a while, but... I mean, Austin now is becoming like a Bitcoin spot. You got a ton of things going on with Bitcoin. I mean, if you want to be an entrepreneur, like, so I'm, I'm here in Miami, which is, uh, you know, kind of being known as like a crypto and tech hub as well. But it's, I don't think it's anything, I, and I, ha, I don't think it's going to be where Austin is. I don't. Because really? Austin? I, I, well, I, I don't because Austin has, it's got a good central location in the middle of the country, it's got the university. It's got the university there. And so there's a lot of smart kids coming through and it just has a lot of capital. It seems like, and here's why I think there's a lot, there's something about Austin. That's kind of San Francisco or kind of Bay area, even more than LA. Like, I mean, I live in Dallas for four years and Dallas seems like more like LA, like glitz glamor, you know, like the money game. Right, right. But Austin is is a little bit different and I think it's kind of quirky. Like there's Very a weird, Austin weird thing. Yeah, yeah, it's very, it's, it's very, it's and there's a lot of money that's kind of changing it. I mean, like it's becoming a little bit more yuppieville, but um, there's still like that weird vibe that I think is um, it, it it it's it's unique and it's going to draw on a lot of people. And but it also has a lot of you know it, it's 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 liberal, but you have a lot of hardcore conservative right wing people there too. I mean, you've got like Alex Jones and you've got Tim Kennedy. You got a lot of people, like an in influencers, that are that are living in Austin now too. So yeah, that's part of the reason. Something to,
1: yeah. I'm doing a little bit of stand up. I've been working on the uh, trying You're to get little, me. Yeah, I've been bullshit. Nobody I did about shit. I got about let's see three open mics now. And yeah, I'm just yeah. fucking around because dude, I'm a single dude, fucking bored. So you just gotta fire shit to do. Yeah. It's like you can only work out and yeah. work so much. So you gotta find little other shit to kind of fuck around with.
0: <laughs> yeah so like no you're making me think like i discovered you on twitter because you were posting some crazy short clips of like shadow boxing like you know like you know, of swinging this huge heavy bat around and I, you could tell us more about that in a second yeah but doing some really interesting things and i'm like damn like that dude can move how does he think of this you know like how did that come into your mind to where like people might be interested in seeing this and like Tell us a little bit more about like these exercises and things that you're doing, and um, how you got the idea to where you thought, "Hey, I think I'm gonna just record this and throw it out on Twitter and see what people think."
1: Yeah, so um, during the pandemic, they closed the fucking gyms down. So, like everybody else, I'm sitting around the house, bored as fuck. Like, okay, how do I work out? So I'm doing pull ups, push ups, doing that standard shit, and then my shoulders and everything started getting fucked up. So I was like, okay, this is not sustainable. You can't. You can only do so many push ups and pull ups in a day. So right. I'm on Instagram, the Instagram machine. I'm fucking searching through, and I find a guy who's um, swinging this fucking uh, mace. I'm like, "What the hell is this?" And so I do some little research. I find out more. I'm like, "Okay, this is a mace. This is a club." I was like, "Interesting. Let me see how this fucking works out." So I go on offer up. I find a guy selling basically like a baseball bat. That's like a, it's like a 15 pound club. Buy it off the guy for like 20 bucks, and I'm playing around with it. And um, during the time. I was heavy into um, DMT, so like uh, I was bored, like like everybody was in the pandemic, bored. Started researching how do you make it yourself. So I figured out how to make DMT myself, and I'm experimenting oh with this shit. God. Yeah, uh. so <laughs> so like yeah, like I said, you got all this free time. I got money coming in from not doing anything. I'm just at the house, kind of fucking around. And so I, I I'm smoking this DMT. I'm getting these insights, and I came up with this like this logical progression. It's like okay. Why do we do bench press squats? Why are we doing these particular activities? Like, in my mind, I'm thinking the homo sapien, the actual creature itself, the first tool we probably utilized was probably a, a, a giant stick that we used to kill shit with. That that mm-hmm. was probably the first thing that we probably learned how to use. That was probably before language, before writing, before civilization. People were probably walking around with sticks hitting, hitting shit.
0: Like a spear, yeah. yeah,
1: Spears, sticks, whatever. Like, like I don't even think of a spear yeah. yet. I don't think a spear was even made yet. Probably just a oh, like something, a, something shorter. Yeah, like something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So our bodies are adapted to pick things up and use our leverage of our body to be able to swing and hit things with more force than what they actually weigh. We're not like a bull. We're not like other animals that use uh, brute force to kill things, and so. I found a local shop that sold all these different like maces and clubs and I just started stocking up and I started experimenting with them and I started to realize like, oh, like this is the way that you're probably supposed to train. And then it just started to progress. Like I, as I bought more tools, you start to learn different rhythms. The rhythms are like, because you learn that the human body is capable of only like maybe I think it's like 12 movements essentially is what you have as your body. That's the, the end of the equation. And from those 12 movements, you can kind of utilize those movements, and then they uh, transfer to different patterns, and you can kind of make these flows. Mm-hmm. And now we're about three years in the game, and I've just been kind of just fucking around with this, and it's it's fun. I mean, like, it's fun. I'm starting to notice a difference in my body. Like, a lot of injuries I had from football, like, my shoulder was pretty jacked at, like, maybe 50%. It's back up to about 95%. I got good mobility. Wow. I'm, the, the, your abs and your core, all these different intercostal muscles that reside within the body, you start to realize that like your trunk has like a different shape to it. So like my abs and the core, the back, your hands, just everything is, um, it starts to condense. It starts to get tighter because you're not lifting a weight that kind of constrains you. Like when you're doing bench press squat. It's like the great adage, or uh, this idea that you inherit whatever weapon that you utilize. Um, mm-hmm. Like ancient warriors would say that, like you become your weapon. Mm-hmm. So most people, when they're training, they're they're training with extremely heavy amount of weights on a platform level on a platform level that's stabilized. And what you see is with the bodies, they start to develop these bodies that resemble the weight. They start to look like these fucking, they look like they're uh, the fucking barbells with these huge weights. Mm-hmm. They just become like just bulky yeah bulky yeah and what i notice is from just swinging these things it's like my body is now start the muscles start to contour to the skeleton so everything is starting to become tighter to the body so i'm noticing i'm getting denser but i'm not getting wider so my strength is increasing tensile strength is increasing but i'm not getting that that bad trade-off of um becoming a bulky ass guy
0: well, too, and I, I, shoot, I'm thinking about, like, I, I'm spending 100 bucks a month at the gym, and you're not, you're not doing that. I mean, this is like, you know, you get the equipment, and you don't have, this is so interesting. Um, do you have anybody else that's doing this along with you? or other people like, hey, like, I, I mean, this is like a whole different kind of training. And it seems like, like, again, it's like low, you know, less wear and tear on the joints, it's something where, like, you know, there can be different weight clubs and different things people can do. But um, is it something to where, are there other people out there that are doing this or like have programs there is related a, to it?
1: There's a small minority of people that I kind of found on Instagram and YouTube. There's a guy I kind of learned a lot from, this guy, Mark Wildman. He's one of the first okay. guys I really started to learn. His YouTube channel is great. He has just a massive amount of instructional videos. I took a lot of things from him. He's very similar. He came from an engineering background and now he trains people using the same tools. But uh, no, it's a small minority. I walk around at the parks to kind of like do my own little like uh, marketing. So I'll go to like mm-hmm. the local parks or I'll go to like the. You swing- go to Zilker? Yeah, I go to Zilker all yeah. the time. Stay at Zilker. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you walk around with them. People are like, what the fuck is that? I'm like, dude, it's amazed." Like, what do you do with them? Like, you swing it. They're like, what do you mean you swing it? I'm like, you, and I show them. They're like, what the fuck am I looking at? That's really the most response that most people see. It's like, what the fuck am I looking at? And then I just give them a number. We talk and like, so I, I found a couple of people I've been training with a little bit, and they they fucking love it. They're starting to see the changes. And he said the the main thing is like they're noticing is just the fluidity of it. Mm-hmm. It's like it's it's a different type of mental strain because it's a weight that's very manageable, but you're constantly moving. You're constantly in motion. And so you would think, okay, it's only a a 10-pound club. This is nothing. But you're you're spinning that thing. You're uh, swinging it for like a minute straight, two minutes straight. You're like, okay, I see where the workout is coming. And Mm -hmm. when you think about it, even from a logical point, like what humans are built to do, humans are not built to put 400 pounds on their back and go up and then go down. Like our design is we pick things up from anywhere from like 5 to 40 to 50 pounds. And we either carry it and walk with it or we kind of throw it or we push it. Like we don't really, we just, we do very lightweight multiple times. Like if you're moving a house, like a squat is not going to help you if you need to move your house out. What is going to help you is holding an awkward ass shape and constantly moving it around for 10 or 12 minutes. That's going to give you a better comprehension of how to move objects.
0: Yeah. You know, I think me talking, there's like a greater reason for us talking tonight because I'm. You know getting back into it a little bit and like i like moving around heavy weight, but i'm at that age to where it's like it's a lot more effort and i've got to do a lot more things right like i can't just go in there when i'm like you know 22 and like go out and go drink in the next it doesn't really matter like i'm more <laughs> affected by all this shit, right and you know and things that are less stress, lower impact um that are i mean this is like you know dexterity and coordination and footwork and all these different things that you're doing i think is it's really intriguing and it's cool. And I also think it's like, it's a good lesson in putting yourself out there. Like you're not doing this like, you know, like in an, like outside your apartment where no one else can see it. Like you're going out in nature, you're going to Zilker. There's a lot of people around and you're just putting yourself out there. You're recording it, you're throwing it out on Twitter and it's intriguing and people like it. And there's there's something that could emanate from that in the future, whether it's like, like, you know, I'm just thinking like from a business standpoint, you know, you get the right person or you get enough people that are like interested in this and you can like sell a, like a line of maces. Like you have like a, you know, five pound mace at 10, a, you know, 12, a 15, a 20, you know, like you can, there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of things you could do with it. You could even do like a whole workout video series, you know, like that whole P90X thing, but you could do like different kinds of things, people swinging and moving and and Americans love that shit too. I mean, like you think about (laughs) all the different types of exercise, like I I remember like aerobics in the like 80s, people doing aerobics. And then it was, uh, you know, who knows, you know, like it was P90X and and CrossFit, all these different things. People are always looking for something different. And I love what you're doing, man. I don't know what your plans are, like what you wanna do with it, but um, I think you're onto something.
1: Yeah, see, another thing I kind of want to test out, because I've been I wrote a a, a book about it, I'm writing on the second book, and I'm noticing because yeah we're three years in the game now. Like eventually, like like what you said, I eventually want to see if I can find like maybe like a steel worker, because it's not that hard to really make. All you gotta do is get some steel, make a casting, pour it in there, and bam, you got yourself Mesa. So it's very simple. It's very simple to create and to build. So eventually make my own line. But yeah, it's just trying to figure out. The, the tough one I've been trying to figure out is how do you explain to people that have no reference point? Because like if I actually yeah. give it to you and show you, you're going to be like, okay, now it makes logic. But when you're watching, it's like, yeah, it's entertaining, but how does this pertain to me? What is this getting – what's changing to me? What's happening with my body? Like So that's the part we're trying to figure out, at, at least in, um, from my angle. But it's, it's just a fun thing to do. And even if I don't make any money from it, just the internal gratification I get just from playing around with it, it's, it's been great. And like, yeah, like you said, I used to lift a lot of heavy weight just from playing football, but I kind of came to that same conclusion. Like, why am I snatching all this weight? Why am I squatting all this weight? Like, there's no internal motivation besides the, the arbitrary number that I'm getting higher numbers. But it, there's nothing driving me to do it. So I found myself kind of getting bored <laughs> that Yeah, no that, that
0: that's happened that's happened to me too and I um you know it's something too about athletes like I mean I discovered weight training like eighth grade I remember like for football it was all about football and like we didn't train heavy and then in freshman year we started training heavier and dude I just loved it like I loved lifting weights and like how that correlated to football and like I could get stronger and that's how a lot of us were. And then, you know, I, it stayed with me over the years. And then I did more of kind of like bodybuilding type stuff, like sculpting or whatever. But it does get boring and it is monotonous. And I would just think like, how can people do this, this shit day <laughs> in and day out? And they use the same weight day in and day out. And they see the same people day in and day out. And to me, I, I just, I couldn't do that. And I think too, is like, you know, someone that's, you know, you know, college athlete. Like, you know, you trained that way to perform on the field. And so whenever you're not on the field
1: anymore, your training has got to change too, right? So- um, Exactly. Yeah, man, that's why I started comprehending. Like, and there's also this aspect where those particular weight training, like they're not using the full body. So what happens is it's like a car, like you're building natural imbalances. So if you're bench pressing, like you gotta realize your entire body works as one unit to be able to do a specific action. Yeah. So if I throw a punch, it starts with my feet, goes through my hips, and through my abs, through my back, and it comes out as the punch. But when you're bench pressing, you're essentially eliminating half the body. And so what happens is, yeah, you're building strength in one particular range of the body, but other parts mm-hmm. are being neglected. So what happens is you start to build these weak points where you can't necessarily train. If you're doing just um, like your standard modern um, bodybuilder weightlifting. So like if you're doing like a curl, if you're doing a curl, even though you might do 10 curls with the same weight, uh, you can't necessarily work your tricep with the same amount of tension and weight. So what happens is you naturally build an imbalance. And like anything in life that has imbalance, over time, eventually it's going to fuck up and break at some point. Like mm-hmm. if your car has a like a low tire on one side, eventually at some point... It's going to veer off the road and it's going to crash or right? something's going to break up. Mechanics are not going to work. And that's what you start to notice with a lot of bodybuilders. At some point, everything breaks down. It's, a, it's an inevitable cause. And what I found with this is like everything is fine tuned with the entire body. So like I have to utilize my legs to my abs, to my back, to the core. Everything has to be utilized in order to make the coordination of the swing work the way it goes. And so you're kind of doing a lot of injury prevention, to be honest with you more so The strength and injury provision
0: yeah and all those little stabilizing muscles too i mean you know it's one thing i've noticed the guys that um like i play golf and you know i played baseball and some of these other sports where you like your entire kinetic chain is engaged and the guys that bench press because that's like that's like the the glory movement that's the glamorous movement is who can bench the most everybody's focused on that shit And a lot of times those guys are not necessarily the strongest in like, maybe like the strongest puncher, like, like in boxing or they're not like in golf, they're not going to hit the golf ball as far as you might think. Right. So it's, you know, it's the entire kinetic chain. And a lot of it really starts like with footwork and it works its way up, you know? And so it's, 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 it's not, you know, it looks good to have a great chest. I mean, it's great to throw a bunch of weight on there, but, it's
1: not. Does it really translate to better performance? I don't see it, dude. I really don't. Do you definitely need the base, dude? I've been um, because I've been playing tennis and I played. I I grew up on not a grew up on a golf course, but I worked at a golf course for a, quite a while. And I noticed mm-hmm. like my sh- my uh, my stroke in tennis and in golf much smoother, much easier, much smoother, and I get better extension because of just uh, the flexibility that I've been gaining from. Um, Swing swinging around the maces because, like, your body has – like, you – how can I put it? Most people, play they train in a 2D plane, and your body's meant for 3D movement. That makes sense. And so what happens is you get yeah. a better mind-body connection because you're moving through 3D space as opposed to just a very rigid 2D movement. And so, like, yeah, you'll notice, like, my, my tennis swing, golf swing, all that shit has got much smoother and. Yeah, so you just understand better how the mechanics of the body operate. It's like it's a beautiful thing. Yeah,
0: Yeah, it is. Well, one thing too, you look good swinging a mace. Like you're like a chisel. (laughs) Like you're you're like you're like carved out of granite. So it's something that, um, you know, you're a good like salesperson for that too. Like for some people, like some (laughs) big guy, like trying to swing it around. But it makes sense because it's something that's, um, you know, it's easy to do. It's easy to get started, and it's like fun. It, It really is fun. So I'm gonna have to pick up, dude. Like, I'm, I, I don't know exactly when, but I'm gonna have to pick up a mace here one of these days and, and like, you know, do a video and throw it out there. I'm not gonna get the response you are, but it'd be kind of fun,
1: <laughs> you know? Yeah, and they're relatively inexpensive too. That's the funny thing. Like, compared to if you gotta buy a bunch of 45 pound plates, buy the bench, buy, like, that's the other thing I was thinking about too, is like, no, I'm not about to spend a fucking rack to buy this immovable object that I can't bring with me anywhere. This thing, I just yeah. go in my house, grab it, Put it in the car. And we're good to go. Go out to nature. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I, I agree. I mean, that's like gym memberships, buying equipment, all that shit. It's a ridiculous. And that's the thing, too, is I see some of these guys that do it. You've got a better build than a lot of these guys do. I mean, you have good genes, I'm, I'm sure. But, you know, in terms of you, you've got, you know, you're, you're cut up. And some of these other dudes I see that are like, you know, impressing, you know, they're, they're uh, posting these lifts that they think are really impressive. And I'm like, dude, you don't don't look so hot, you know? Yeah. Like, it's cool that you're moving that weight. I'm glad, you know, but yeah, you could could stand to kind of cut up or, you know, maybe a little
1: bit more well-rounded. That's the thing with all humans. Like, we're designed to be these lean creatures. We're not designed to be these massive, bulking creatures. No, we're not. We're not.
0: Uh, All right, so listen, I'm going to... (laughs) <laughs> yeah and we've been talking for yeah, about we, an hour now oh and, really and and yeah yeah we, yeah, we I mean, got a lot of time, time is through, flying yeah, yeah and we do <laughs> and, I, and I was thinking it so yeah whenever we were first I was like hey what do you want to talk about like I want you and first of all I want to thank you for coming on because I remember whenever I you know six weeks ago I said hey I'm going to do this podcast you were one of the first people that's like yeah dude like I'd love to come on the show like I like I like that idea let me come on the show and I was like damn like that's cool and so you know, we get this thing going. I'm like, okay, he's got to come on because there's, there's a lot of things I'd like to talk with you about because you've, I think I have an idea about some of your views on things, but you're not like someone that is, you know, overly forward about everything, which I like, like there's some mysteriousness about it. I have some mystery, but yeah, well that's based, you know, being based isn't necessarily being forward about everything, but I'm going to, there's a few topics that you sent over that I want to I you I got a kick out of them when you sit it over <laughs> it's yeah. some of like a really good. Yeah, we can quick. But I wanna, I don't know how long yeah, you got to run your we,
1: podcast for. Uh, back well, in- we
0: can run it for however long. I mean, uh, we you know we could do another thirty, forty five minutes or whatever. Who knows? Yeah. Um. So one thing you talk so the inevitable gayness of everything.
1: Yeah. Is one <laughs> yeah. thing,
0: and yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I, I want to hear your thoughts on that because uh, we've got some really. We've got some really bad leaders right now, and yeah. um, it's it's embarrassing, really. You know, and I think <laughs> about how you know you look you look at some of these leaders in other countries, and dude, you know what I found out is that most of the world is pretty based, mm-hmm. actually. America is not very based. Like a lot of the Western world is 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 not based. So I mean, there's there's obviously a lot of people that are, but man, there's like a some reality distortion thing going on. But the rest of the world is based which to me based is like being grounded in the realities of 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 what is and having these reference points that are like you know history and traditionalism and being you know honest and truthful about things and that the future didn't start today or you know it's my reference point isn't just today and what i want the world to be it's like looking back at you know human behavior and prior civilizations and Drawing on that and framing my worldview, I think like you know, there's a lot of people that are, you know, on like the far left that they don't even want to pay any reverence or tribute to those things, or even you know, it's all about like their agenda, and pushing that on everybody. And if you don't go along with it, they could just lose their shit. But um, you know, the inevitable gayness of everything, yeah, dude, we're, we're 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 living through that. And so yeah, just start riffing for us. Tell us like what's your thoughts on that.
1: So exactly what you said. How. Baseness is basically just a reference to the things in reality. And reality has basic principles that we all have to kind of apply by if you want things to work out in a favorable way that gives you the best chance of survival. And why things end up turning gay, especially in America, first-world countries, is that once you get past the stage of survival, like once you get to the point where Your choices no longer really affect your survivability. Like, in America, like, bro, if you're broke in America and you're homeless, this is the easiest country to be broke and get yourself back to fucking baseline and at least be successful. Like, if you're broke and you got a car, go to the library, go to the gym, learn how to code. In six months, even, like, yeah, even if you're a fucking lazy fuck, in a year, if you sit there and code at your computer all day and learn how to write emails or learn how to do some type of high-paying skill, you won't be broke two years from now. Your life will be better right. now. In other countries, if you're broke and you're destitute, you're kind of fucked.
0: You're, like you're you're going to stay there.
1: You're going to stay there. There's no you're way to get out of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so what happens is when you get to that particular point where your choices no longer really affect your survivability, emotions play a higher factor because now we are looked like everything is basically mom mentality. So it's no longer about like if you had a hunter in your in your in your tribe that was really really good at hunting. It didn't really mm-hmm. fucking matter what his views were on fucking transsexuals or whatever you give a fuck. This person this person's bringing meat and game and keeping us alive. So you know what? Whatever the fuck he thinks or cares about, I don't give a shit because he's keeping us alive. So we're let that pass. But now we're at the point where you can just go to a grocery store. So that person is extremely efficient or very, very good or highly valuable to our country, our tribe. He's no longer as valuable. So what we think about him plays a larger role as opposed to what he brings as a value. And this is why you see certain guys get canceled despite being extremely good at what they do. Because everybody else can kind of afford to say, like, fuck that guy. We don't want to support him anymore because he doesn't believe in whatever he doesn't believe in. Right. Yeah, there's no
0: societal cost. Exactly. I mean, like these people, these people really bring something of value, but we can kind of like swap someone else in, elevate somebody else, get rid of this guy, put this guy in. And it doesn't really harm us. The concern I think that we're all starting to really have is that, man, at some point in time, we can't, we can't keep making all these mistakes. Exactly. Like, we can't keep having all of these people that are like, you know, second tier, third tier. I mean, these, these people that shouldn't be there that are calling the shots for all of us and that's like at some point in time there's got to be a day of reckoning to where it's going to be punitive um you know for us as a country you know to keep doing this shit right it's
1: that tipping point yeah that's what it's like in chemistry like you get to a certain point where the balance becomes too great and then you're mm-hmm. fucked you can't go back and i don't know how long that's going to be for america but at a certain point all of our most all these decisions we're making off of emotion they're gonna fuck us in the back end. And we're starting to see that now. And like I had this um this theory I kind of came up with, which is like the idea of the 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 problems of great men is that like you have a couple geniuses that get born every couple centuries, and what happens is these geniuses, like say like it's like a half a circle, these geniuses mm-hmm. break that half a circle and they open up and expand a new frontier, and then all the fucking retards come in. And usually that person dies off. So, like, say for like the internet, like the people yeah. who create the internet were like geniuses, but most people who who actually work to build the internet, built the first kind of PCs, they're pretty much dead, I think, for the most part. So now you got a bunch of retards that come and inhabit this new frontier, and maybe they, they create new fucking problems, and then new geniuses get born from that generation. They expand another frontier, and the process repeats itself. Yeah. And so what happens is, is like we keep. We have these smart people that create these technologies and create these particular things for us. And they're not there to actually guide us on how to actually work the problems out there where eventually come. So we the retards eventually come, people take over, and then we have new problems. And it's the cycle keeps going. And this the gayness, which is like most people, most human beings, I don't believe, have the ability to think rationally. Like it's a sad thing to think about, but. Yeah, I, I think most people don't have the ability to think from a rational, logical point of view. They simply are guided by emotions, and we have enough of people, enough of those people in society where they can move with impunity. It fucks the rest of the society up. So we got a lot of and they can to,
0: get away with it.
1: Yeah, they get away with it essentially. And like I said before, we're in the tribal, in our natural state, which is like the tribal way. The the smartest guy would have the most reverence. So even though. We had a bunch of retards that were going there. They're like, well, we can't really go against this guy's view because that's what's keeping us alive. But now we don't have that so right. much. And like you said, at a certain point, there's going to hit a tipping point where the reckoning is going to come, where we have done so much damage to our infrastructure that everything's going to kind of collapse. And then the smart ones are going to eventually rise back up and the cycle will repeat itself in a long yeah, time I,
0: Yeah, I, I dude, I totally agree in terms of like time. Time is something that... It's not just like this linear progression. It's something that could be like a loop, and that like we just keep repeating the same shit over and over again. And I think that um, you know one thing we you're talking like how long is this going to take? I mean, because it's like America has changed so much. Like I remember nine eleven. That was like a spiritual blow. Like that that kind of thing could happen. And then I don't think we were really informed and given all the details as to what really happened and not to go down the 911 truth or thing because I did I went down that rabbit hole. We all did, man. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so we did. Yeah, so in this sphere we definitely did. But it's you know, and then we had like the financial crisis and I was just a few years out of college and that was brutal. And I just think about how like yeah, there's these like these huge shocks, like these seismic shocks to the system that are going to be happening more regularly. And I guess like you had like 9-11, you had 2008, which I don't think we ever really recovered from those things, like spiritually and financially. And then we just had COVID, you know, and then we've had all the political things happen. And it's like, there's these big, big things that are happening. We're getting more divided, but I think it can go on for a while. That's the one thing, like in this corner of Twitter that we're in, there's people that are like, they're ready to go kick ass right now. Like they're, they're ready to go and let's, let's get it on. You know, like, let's get rid of these guys. And this can go on a long time, bro. Like this could go on for five years, ten years, twenty years. I mean, some people say the you know the American Empire could last another fifty, hundred years. Yeah, and and it really could because I don't know about a hundred, but it could last fifty because I mean we're still we we are a robust country and we have all of these problems and things we're trying to work through, but there's no nobody that's really a suitable replacement and you could i mean we could talk <laughs> about china yeah you know china, but china doesn't have the trust of the world like they're not going to be the global reserve currency anytime soon like they don't have like any cultural exports that people are interested in like we do like people want our fucking culture this is you true know, you go to lebanon you go to lebanon you go to other countries and they're playing the video music awards
1: that's and like i don't even know what flow like I used to yeah. play Civilization. I don't know if you ever played that game, Civilization. Sid Meier, no, tell me about it. Yeah. So this is a game I played a lot when I was a fucking kid. But basically, you start off as a mountain tribe, and it's like a it's a whole expansive map, and you can customize that, whatever is relevant. But you basically play out civilization, and there's a couple different ways to win. You either win by war, the space race, technology, uh, money. But the mm-hmm. easiest way that I know is that you always win is the culture. If you can get everybody to shift to your culture, you win the game. Mm-hmm. And so I tried to win through the war, I tried to win through technology, but culture is this thing, this, I believe, um, what's his name? He made Hardcore History, Dan Carlin. He said it is the idea of intellectual contagions, which is if you can mm-hmm. get if you can put these intellectual ideas or these cultures, these particular set of ethics and morals into people's brains, that has a far more detrimental effect than any war, any technology, anything else you can introduce. The way people think controls the way the world essentially works. And America Mm -hmm. has a fucking stronghold that one. Nobody else wants to kind of take on uh, India's culture. Nobody wants to take on China's culture. Everybody likes this idea of complete chaos and freedom that America got going on. And that's kind of why we sit at the top. It's not our currency. It has nothing to do with our weapons. It's, it's the way that we live. We're so fucking free. We can talk shit. And people love watching it, man. It's, inter- it's entertaining. It's a great show. The American No, Dude, you're,
0: you're, you're right, though, because it's like, yeah, it, it's a lot more than just like the dollar and the military. People always talk about that. But, dude, like we have a dynamism here. We have, like, we, have, we have so much, you know, there's so much going on. There's action. This is where the action is. And that's why people move to Miami out here. That's why they move to like New York. It's why they move to LA. It's why they move to Austin because they want to be in the action. And and I've been to other countries that are like, you know, that's the whole thing. Like don't mistake, you know, tourism for immigration because people, you go to these countries that are more like relaxed, laid back, and everything's peaceful and cool. But if you were to actually move there and live there for like more than a couple of months, boredom, you'd be starting to get, you'd be getting fidgety like, Hey, like what's, What's going on? And then you'd be like watching the news in America. Then you'd see like all the crazy shit that we're doing. You'd be like, God dang! Like maybe I want to go back. And a lot of people do. This happens, Mace. They they leave, you know, for a year or two or three years, and they end up coming back because there's just nothing like this. We got the action, dude. This is yeah. where it's at.
1: America's the fucking. It's an ADHD country, bro. We we got shit going on nonstop, repeater, and people talk shit about. I'm like, dude, this is the greatest place to ever be, ever. Like, I, yeah. I think I read a tweet, literally, in America, like, the beauty of it is, like, in every other country, it's, like, there's old world money where, like, things are going slowly. So, you got to plan out decades. And America's the only place where, literally, you can take advantage of an opportunity every fucking three or six months. There's always something that's yeah. coming up where you can make come up off of it.
0: No, you're right. There's And there's a lot of people that do, do this, like, ro- they, they do these rotations. Like, a lot of people in crypto, you know, and then they're going to go rotate into, like, you know, people just keep rotating into, like, different... Yeah, you know, before that, it was like the drop shipping.
1: Yeah, <laughs>
0: you know, before like crypto, and but these people will literally go into the next thing and they can make a shitload of money off of it if they know what they're doing. They know how to market themselves. They know how to get in pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, there's there's really no other place. I mean, like you know, my, you know again, my wife's from Lebanon, and go, I remember going over there the first time, and I'm like, you know, how do these people get like uh, like you know FedEx or UPS? Like, what's the delivery service? She's like, well, there isn't one. <laughs> it's like what how do you get packages it's like a whole different way like they don't have amazon prime they don't have any th- i mean it, it's just a whole different thing in how distribution works and how supply chains work and we're so um entitled to it and just expect it here and you go to these other places you're just not going to get it. you got to work a lot harder for shit and so you think about what an opportunity that is like as screwed up as things are We have all of these conveniences and creature comforts, like just you know, snap of your finger, drop of a hat, it's there for us.
1: I know it's a fucking beautiful
0: thing. It is. It is, and that's
1: the the. And like the like I said, the the trade off is you're gonna get some gayness. Life is so easy that people can afford to be gay. It's like that's the thing. (laughs) You can afford to not live in a reality. You can afford to think that you're a woman if you're a man. You can afford. The fucking complain about people not accepting fat people like if we're living in, in like tribes and shit if you're fat dude you have to lose that weight because bro you weren't going to survive you'll be right. dead because you can't move with the tribe so it's like all the fucking bullshit weaknesses that usually get weeded out from just uh survivability uh, percentages basically they're, they're gone so people you have all these Facing inept human beings is what I guess you will call them. Just useless human beings, negatives on the society that can drain the society. That can actually have a platform and have a voice because there's more of them now because the average person is not reaching for excellence. It's the easiest time to be a human being, and most people choose to be a piece of shit because they can afford to be a piece of shit.
0: And no one's going to hold them accountable. There's no social ostracision. Like I remember, dude, like, you know, growing up. If you were a little chubby, you got harassed. Yeah, you know, you got. If you were wearing glasses, you were called four eyes. If you were, you didn't like wear the right clothes. People gave you shit about it, and it was just like it was kind of a rite of passage. Now, I mean, are the kids cruel and mean? I mean, some more, way more than they should be, of course. But there are, you know, just you're know, bullying. Like, basic you had, you got to kind of live with that. Of course, I didn't live with it in the age of social media. That's probably a different thing. Well, see, like that's the problem with they, it.
1: See, the problem with the bullying and social media is that that person has no recourse. So you could talk a lot of crazy shit, but there's no real recourse besides just blogging them. So like you if you were a fat kid, and eventually you got tired of people calling you fat, you could fight the kid. And then everybody's like, oh shit, the fat kid knows how to fight now. Now he has a reputation.
0: And now we don't do fighting anymore. You don't settle anything with fisticuffs. No. But like somebody can go, you know, some other kid can go post some shit and it goes viral and it ruins your little life. You know, and like you, you don't want to go to that school anymore. Like, how do you face everybody? That is a dynamic that didn't exist for us. And man, you know, you you feel for these kids that just they get caught up in that. And I don't know what you do as a parent. Dude, you know, I, I've heard some horror <laughs> stories that are like,
1: "Holy shit!" I was a teacher, and I, I currently um, sub a lot of kids. They bring it upon themselves, man. Can't even lie. To you. Yeah, a lot of kids they kind of deserve it. I mean, I, I think of it like good karmic yeah. retribution. You should be out. You shouldn't be able to have free reign. I mean, no. You should have free reign to do everyone you want to do, but you should not have free reign to be able to escape the consequences of the stupid shit you want to do.
0: I agree. No, I mean, like it's again. I wish we were doing more fisticuffs. Yeah. To where it's like you talk shit, you run your mouth. There's like a price to be paid, and people would really keep themselves in check if that were the case. These are so. Facts. Um, I want to talk. I want to. I want to run to this one because yeah. I, I. this is this is a. Uh, I want to hear your thoughts on it. You you want to talk about the great collapse of money Twitter.
1: Oh, dude, it's done. It's a fucking Yo, rap.
0: tell me, tell me, tell me the deal, man. What's going on with money Twitter? So,
1: dude, I I don't know how long you've been on this this particular space, but uh, I've been around. I mean, I've been on Twitter since like oh nine, but I found the money Twitter space around twenty nineteen. Okay, and then I saw the great peak of it during the fucking uh, the pandemic, where all the dudes are kind of just stuck at home, and so what happens is we have all these characters that kind of built themselves up. And they became these, the guys that you kind of see today with like $10,000, $20,000, 20K follower accounts. And what happens is now, it's like anything with human beings. Human beings can't help but tell on themselves. And so now we're finding that most of these dudes are fucking LARPers that had nothing really more to talk about outside of money, bitches, or whatever the fucking skill set they do. Mm -hmm. And you're starting to see, how can I put it? It's like, it's like a locker room. Like, I think people forget that we're all kind of trapped in this space together. So you're kind of talking to the same people and everybody's starting to see inconsistencies and you're starting to see a lot yes. of fuckery going on. Yeah. And so now it's funny because now you're seeing guys that were never on. They're kind of jumping in and they're seeing like, yo, what the fuck is this? And now right. we're starting to see the collapse where all the grifting, where everybody's kind of stuck at home, they're all getting hyped off the making money off the internet thing and life is kind of Coming back to where it was, we, we reached the precipice probably during that, um, yeah, during this pandemic, like in 2020. Like, yeah, like maybe for like a six-month period it was like the glory age where there was a hell of engagement, people were having fun, we were seeing, but now it's like it's evolving into guys who are just LARPing and people who were pissed off talking shit on Twitter, guys who are um I don't know, it's just it's a shit show now.
0: No, it is. I mean, I I remember, I I guess I got kind of pulled in for this crypto bull run, you know, kind of like late 2020 going into 2021. And I kind of got pulled into it. And like, I find all these like cast of characters or whatever. And it was like, everything worked. Any coin you you aped into was like mooning and like, you know, it was all this crazy. And I had like adventures in crypto and it's like, course we all have our stories of like we could have done all we could have made these trades and made so much money and be so rich and, and like it didn't work out but hopefully you did something but there was a lot yeah there is a lot of that and yeah so now what's happened is these guys that have been around for a while have a body of work and so like whenever whenever they're being inconsistent or they're people can like they're like hey wait a second like you know what's the deal here and What i would tell you is it has gotten a lot more negative and like cutthroat and like people like oh that's the thing about about money twitter or crypto twitter is there's a lot of like bitching and moaning and whining and crying like a baby it's pathetic i mean it just it it drives me nuts (laughs) it's like dude and some of these guys are still filthy rich like oh oh god like i just i'm so down so bad on this coin i'm like dude shut the fuck up you know you're worth seven figures eight figures like nobody feels sorry for you and no other environment could you ever make that kind of money I mean it's like I've been an entrepreneur for like 10 years and done a startup and raised three million dollars and had to like go through heaven and hell and ups and downs and fits and starts and all this shit to like build a product and like a traditional business and raising money and a cap table and trying to like preserve your investor equity, you know, so you don't get diluted down to nothing. And like, that's how a lot of, tra- that's how traditional businesses work. I mean, it like, the, it's, you know, you raise money, you put all your own money in and you try to go get some from friends and family. If you can, then you got to go to angels and pitch angels and VCs and whatever. And it's a really hard road. And you see these guys that are just jumping in these coins. They make all this money. It's really like lottery tickets. It really is. And it, <laughs> and it's like, guys, this is just not how the real world works. Like, and I'm not a hater. Right. Like, Congratulations if you figured it out. Like I'm, but don't fucking bitch and complain and mo- and and whine about it to us. You know, like don't cry and 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 expect us to feel sorry for you that you know, you lost a little bit of money when someone like you in any other day and age would never had this kind of money.
1: Yeah, and we also have to remember we're dealing with a lot of like, young twenty year olds. See, I, yeah, I, uh, some of those guys are a little bit older, so we remember, <laughs> the times yeah. were like like you have to work a shitty job, save up, then try to invest that money, figure out a skill. Like there was a process. So, like this, like a lot of people are saying, Oh, you can make a million dollars, fucking make hundred, uh, whatever, 10k, all this particular type of money you can make within like six months. So, yeah, you probably could, but realistically, if we're really looking at it from like an actual like life standpoint. The real time tale is probably five to ten years. You're going to go through a lot of fucking hell to get to where you want to fucking get to. Yes, yes. And see, so we're dealing with a lot of 20-year-olds who just got rich quick either. and Here's the other thing. We don't know. And that's the thing with the LARPing. We don't know exactly how much money people have. So people just throw out these numbers. They throw out these figures. They're taking pictures of Lambos. They're going to clubs in Miami. We don't know exactly what's real or what's not true. So no. it's, it's a lot of fuckery. And I understand some of the anger that is coming from older guys. Like, dude, you're leading these young dudes into a bullshit-ass dream that's not real. Don't quit your job and just try to go full-time fucking entrepreneur if you don't know what you're doing. Like, stay your job, keep your money, put that money into something, build. And then when you think you got something sustainable, then kind of try to venture off and take your chance on yourself. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, we just got a lot of fucking bullshit advice being uh, – Pedaled out for pdfs and gum roads and a lot of people just yeah it's a lot of fuckery yeah
0: it is it, yeah it, it, it's something that um you know some of these characters like some of these guys i like god they're they're really annoying but at the same time it's like these are also a lot there's also a lot of really smart guys that saw something like some of them got in we've got one guy here in miami that's in our our group that gets together every now and then and he's like 22 years old <laughs> he put a bunch of money in bitcoin i say a bunch it wasn't a lot but it was for him it was a lot at the time when he was like you know 16 years old this is like back in like 2016 2017 and he's done really well with it but i mean everybody in his family was giving him shit about it like you're stupid what are you doing like i mean and he went through like you know the the a long bear market i mean he's been through a lot of shit so it's like i respect those guys and i i actually side with with them maybe a little bit more than i do like the boomers because <laughs> The boomers are just like, why do we need crypto? Why do we need Bitcoin? And it's like you try to explain it and they're like, eh, I don't really get it. Like the dollar's fine. Like, I don't really I'm like, well, guys, young men are always like the the bellwether. They're the canary in the coal mine. They're telling you something mm-hmm. that they are tired of this fiat monetary system they're tired of the government overreach and like, and they wanna be disconnected from it. And so crypto gives them an out and in a certain way, they're all kind of crowdfunding each other and putting all their money in it. And I like that and I'm more prone to side with that and and like seeing those guys make money and have generational wealth than I am to say like, you know, side with the boomers that say, this is all bullshit and it's a scam and it's a Ponzi. and these right. young guys shouldn't be making you know what i mean are you with me on this yeah I, it- I agree
1: like it takes some balls but that's the thing at the end of the day it's like it's funny how you see people say uh well i know how to read the charts i can do this forex and all this stuff it's like okay just be honest with you you're taking a fucking you're taking a bet you don't know how the fuck this shit can play i can crash tomorrow exactly. so it's just funny yeah. when they they tried to talk <laughs> as if they created or built this thing It's like, dude. You didn't invent Bitcoin. You didn't invent something of value. You kind of just took your money through a Hail Mary. And it paid off. And dude, congrats to you. But I, th- I think Brute DeForest or somebody had a fucking a great saying is the worst thing that a nerd can do is get rich without actually going okay. through the um, the fucking trials and tribulations of getting rich.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Because then they, you know, and then that's the, th- you need to strive. I mean, look, most successful entrepreneurs are in the early to mid 40s when they really start to kick it into, you know, into high gear. And so this whole idea of being like a Mark Zuckerberg or a boy wonder or like a crypto you know, savant and like you make all this money at an early age, that's a very rare thing and it's not normal. And the problem is, and I actually have seen this, I know some people that did well early on in life, like early in their twenties, into their early thirties. And what happens is a lot of times they just, they honestly just get lucky like they're first mover or they're in the right industry or they have the right connections. And so they, they do really well they make a lot of money and they think, well, I'm just smarter than everybody. I'm just mm. better than everybody else. This is me. God damn it. You know? <laughs> and, and they start developing like vices and foibles and they start like making mistakes and getting in bad relationships and addiction. It's these things just start to kind of pile up and then all of a sudden, Things aren't going as well and they start losing that luster. They start losing that, that, that luck that they had, that, that good energy. And they, they can't ever get it back again. Yeah, They can't get, it. it's too late. Like they can't go back to where they were because they had these habits that were ingrained because they thought they were so much smarter. And then when it doesn't work out, they can't really pull back and say, wait a second. I gotta honestly look at how this worked out for me and realize I'm doing these things that are wrong. And then maybe I was fortunate and in a good situation. And I need to like take like understand that it's not just that I'm great and I need to do a better job. That's that's almost impossible for them to do, man.
1: Couldn't agree more. There's there's something to be said about being broke and just going through life broke in your 20s, dude. Because you build this certain amount of resiliency where even if you like even if you took everything away from me right now, it's like, all right, well, start from square one and figure out the game again. But it's like if you hit a if you hit a lick very early on and you live your twenties just coasting off that first lick you had, when you hit thirty, you don't have that same grit. There's a certain amount of I don't I can't explain. It. It's like sauce. There's something that you get built in you just from experiences, learning through life. Because I look at money, money is like this uh, insulator. And the more money you have, the less the outside world affects you. But if you make all your money early on and you kind of live this carefree life, eventually that money's going to dwindle because inflation is going to eat it up and just natural spending, and depending what you're investing whatever. But as reality yeah. gets closer to you, you haven't built those layers of uh, protection that keep your mind strong. And then you're kind of fucked in your 40s and 50s because I don't know how you recover if you didn't learn the lessons in your 20s when you get to that level at your 40, you don't want to be learning 20 year old lessons at 40.
0: Yeah. And I know guys that this has absolutely happened to them. Like there's one guy actually that I worked with for a while. That's one of these guys that he had a father that did really well and his father kind of shepherded him and helped him and was involved in his dealings. And he was a smart guy, but he had a lot of like, like personal vices and problems that his father kind of like, kind of helped shield him from shit. And whenever his father wasn't there, he totally went to pieces. He just couldn't, he, he, he didn't know how to operate. And he didn't realize too, that like, you know, there's a, win. that's another thing is that like, as an entrepreneur, there are certain windows in time when you might really be profitable and really make money, great money. And if you don't understand like, hey, this is a window in time and I just can't like spend all this right now and just think it's gonna keep going. I just gotta like, you know, it's like people that are in the oil business. Like mm. oil, like in the oil field business, when oil, like they will do incredibly well. Like you'll have a guy swinging a hammer, you know, on some job site and he's making 200 grand a year. Not a joke. Yeah, this is These guys will spend a shitload of money. Like they'll just spend everything. And then all of a sudden the price of oil goes down and they're laid off and they have no clue what to do. And they, they're like poor again. And, um, that's it's that whole boom bust thing that i'm with you on it I, feel I think there's something too. a lot of athletes a lot of athletes a lot and i feel for those guys too because
1: you can't get that you think back about like,
0: <laughs> you can't get it back but it's like you've got all these friends and family that are part of your story and they are part of your story like they are but they um they want a lot. And if you don't know, find a way to like mitigate that and keep them a little, you know, off, you know, not, not get too involved in your business. I think I have a question. Do you think athletes have gotten smarter
1: in terms of managing finances? <sighs> um, no, probably not. I still think. I mean, they heard more horror stories. So more information is out there. But I still think probably the same percentages. If anything, I think they just got better handlers to make sure they don't fuck their money off, as before when they were just basically giving a check and they were just doing whatever the fuck they wanted to do. Yeah, but I don't think they have gotten no. smarter.
0: I think about Tim Duncan, who's like a smart dude. You know, I'm like from San Antonio. Tim Duncan was, you know, the big fun. I mean, he was amazing. And Tim is a, you know, he comes off as like a bookish, bright guy. Dude, one of his financial managers, you know, swindled twenty one million dollars from him. 21 million dollars and and you know and he got divorced. You know, he married one of these women that was like shit this was a crazy story, dude. <laughs> married this woman. <laughs> well, like, you know, and of course like Tim, you know, I think Tim is Puerto Rican and he marries this like blonde white lady. And um you know, they have a couple kids together and then I think she was uh she was sleeping with their personal trainer. Why? and she and she got this guy Tim or she tried to, I think Tim, she got him to fund this guy to have, like, a personal training studio. What the fuck? Like, Tim Tim didn't know what was going on. No, Tim didn't know what was going on. And so she, uh, like, got him to fund this guy's studio. And Tim finds out about it. They get divorced. Now, of course, he's gotten remarried to a hot Latina. And they have a kid together. And he's, you know, he's done sure. fine. But I remember that was fucking brutal, man. Like, I mean, I, the whole city was pissed at this lady. You know, <laughs> for, like, taking him on a ride yeah I don't know if she still lives in San Antonio because I mean, like she was enemy number one for a while. But I think about these guys, and it's like who really has their back, you know, because it's it's very you see people like like LeBron James and he's got Maverick Carter, who seems to be like a really astute businessman and a guy that's got a lot of aspirations of his own and like LeBron's a mega brand. He's a global yeah. superstar but then there's so many other guys that just what was the guy that pl- PJ Washington? Yeah, this guy got he got with
1: with Britney Renner. And she's an open hoe. Like she wrote a book yeah. about it and he still got got. So and he's like,
0: and he's like way younger. He's like 22, 20, 22, 23 and she's like 29, 30. And it's like, "Bro, and no, and you know you're right. She goes on social media and talks about how stupid these guys are. She's like, "Oh, they're stupid."
1: She told and her the to plan. That,
0: uh, <laughs> Yeah. Like she telegraphed, but she made, she made it known. And, uh, of course I, I, I've seen enough of her now, like the Britney renters are always going to have a market. Like they're always going to have guys because they are fierce fucking women. And like, you know what you're getting with them? Like you're playing with fire, but a lot of guys want to play with fire.
1: I'm saying when you live that (laughs) lifestyle, like I think LeVar Ball said it best. Like, um, dude, you're never going to find something like me and me and your mom. He's like, when you chose his life, this is what comes with it, bro. You're not gonna have a good girl that's gonna be ride or die. You're gonna deal with a bunch of jersey hunters, so be smart with how you go. But a lot of like the thing with athletes is like it's that thing with the insulation. They're insulated by fame, mm-hmm. so they don't ever really get the truth. They're so busy with the day to day grind of performing professionally as an athlete. That I don't think they ever really get a chance or don't really – I don't think they even care enough to actually sit there and really think about what's after the, the game or how to manage your finances. I don't think they – and there's pro- most people of those guys, they come from fairly low-income families. There's mm-hmm. nobody there to teach them how to spend your money, how to save it, how to uh, invest it, how to make sure you don't get 50% of your taxes killed off your money. So, yeah, I think most of those guys, it's it's a, it's a big trap. It's like the same it's the same thing with just making money when you're young. You think it's gonna be there forever. You look at oh, uh, I got ten million dollars in my for my contract for my year as a 20, 23 year old guy. So like me or you, you're thinking like oh shit, if I got ten million dollars. I can turn that to a hundred million in fucking twenty years. But those guys are not even thinking like yeah. that.
0: Yeah, they're not. They're, they think in terms of like material acquisition. Like I've got this, and it's kind of like how much can I go spend on this and this and this. And of course, what's crazy is with a lot of these guys, it's like it's not like they're paying for everything cash. They're mortgaged to the hilt. Yeah. Like every like they have stuff shit on credit, like loans. I mean, they are so I mean, you know, if a guy's got a hundred million dollar contract, let's say he's gonna keep sixty million of it. He's probably really got a lot more in play in terms of his liability. And that's why so many of them go I remember Antoine Walker, you know. I remember, you know, guy played for you know, Kentucky, and then he played for who? Like the Celtics and I think the Hornets. Yeah, he pretty good. Career. That, yeah. Yeah, a great you know, great shooter, great scorer. I mean, a very nice guy. I mean, but he just got taken to the cleaners. I think he made like 160 million in his career, and he went bankrupt. You know, because like they're you know they're getting involved in all these little like you know businesses that aren't really great, but they're kind of being steered into it, and by the wrong people. And it's just it's just um, they're a profit center for somebody else. So yeah, it's like you want to think that these guys are getting more education. I know like the NFL. Yeah, those so guys are going to be better.
1: <laughs> They're basketweepers. Those guys, dude, they don't, I've been around enough athletes. They don't give a fuck. They, they really yeah. don't. They're just there because uh, they probably get a bonus or it's required of them. They're not taking notes. They're not really sitting there trying to figure this shit out. Like, Just let me no, go you're right too, get my paycheck.
0: Yeah, well, that's the whole thing, too. That's why these guys need to get paid earlier. Like the whole idea of student athlete in college is a load of shit and so like now i guess you're starting to see some of these guys get paid for their likeness and i think that's good because they that's giving them a bigger window to capture as much money as they can while they're in their athletic prime instead of it's just like the university's profiting so that's like something i see is as a, as a positive yeah because they're not going to be like studying like no they're not gonna, they're, they're, yeah. They're not gonna be doctors or lawyers or <laughs> anything like that. And why would they want to be? Why the doctors and lawyers would much rather be them when they're like eighteen or
1: nineteen. <laughs> exactly, dude. Makes no logic. But hey, that's just yeah. the way the, the cookie crumbles, man. There's trade-offs for everything. <laughs> yeah. All right. So listen. So let's let's let's
0: let's run through a couple more here. I know yeah. it's getting a little late. Um. So what would you tell the sixteen-year-old me?
1: Sixteen-year-old me. So if I'm looking at sixteen-year-old yeah. me. I tell this dude, look, fuck football, maybe go into wrestling, play tennis, play golf, and learn how to code and learn emails, learn how to write. And your fucking yeah. future is set. You don't have to worry about a fucking thing after that. And then I'll also tell like, look, build your mind and take a lot more chances – yeah, that's what I would tell all young dudes. Take way more fucking chances. All those shit that you think is really crazy, not that crazy in hindsight when you get older. Just don't do anything that's gonna put you in prison or put you in jail for long terms. But take every fucking uh, chance that you can get at any pr- any opportunity you can do that. because that youthful energy, you really don't understand how precious it is once you, till like once you get about yeah, like 27, 28, 30. Like my energy levels are high. But it's not like fucking 22, 23, where like I can be fucked up the oh, entire dude. night. Yeah. And you're still good to go.
0: <laughs> no, no, that's, that's what's happening. No, that's, that's the cruel, cruel trade off is that like a couple of things are age. When you're younger, you have all this energy, your metabolism's through the roof. You can get drunk as a skunk and, you know, barely have a hangover the next day and go do it all over again. Um, but as you get older, you get like more refined, like your palate opens up, you, you get like more flavors. There's more things that you kind of can really enjoy. Um, but there's something too. It's like, you know, when you're young, um, you're robust. You can make all these mistakes. You can come back from it. You don't have any experience. So you're going to make more mistakes when you get older. You got the experience, but you can't make all the errors. Like that's one thing that, you know, I, I've come to realize that you're, you know, you're 38 years old. It's like, you know, that's still very young in a relative sense. But when you have that energy, like I was like a ball of, dude, when I was like really all throughout my t- my teens and in my 20s, I just had a shit ton of energy. And, but then when you start to, no, but then you start to realize like, hey, this and, and, and then when you get in your 30s, you start to recover my, you start to realize my recovery is way different. Like I just don't recover the same way. Like I've got more kind of like aches and pains and things like that, that you didn't, you, you know, that you? it just takes longer to kind of get back to where you were. That's the major thing is recovery, I think.
1: Definitely. So. Oh, definitely. Yeah. They'll, they'll, <laughs> Tell my young guy. Uh, yeah. Get into art. Learn how to draw. Learn how to play piano. Learn different skills. They're like these artistic skills because that is going to be heavily favored in the future. Because there's not going to be a. Yeah. Because like it, it sounds crazy. Yeah. But if you have 10 years of being able to draw. That's a way you can make money, no matter what. You can always either go to three D oh, yeah. graphing. like yeah. I would just say, make sure you learn artistic skills. Don't worry so much about academics. I'll, I'll probably tell myself, don't even go to college, or if you do go to college, just drop in a different. Like, don't even go to, don't actually apply or go into a college. Just go into a class and just listen for a year. Instead of right out of high school, just go into a class, go listen to what they talk about in college, and see if that's really for you. Don't just throw your whole entire life into that.
0: All right. So that that leads into the the next thing we were going to discuss, which is observation is greater than action. Yeah. Is that what you're talking about right there? Like observe, take an account for like the lay of the land before you just jump right in.
1: Yeah. See, I think that's one of those things that we we kind of fuck up as humans. And I think as we get older, we understand how much valuable observation is. Like if you look at like a tree, a tree never moves. A tree sits in the same spot. But if you look at that tree rings where you cut it down, it can tell you every single thing that happened within that area for its entire life. Mm-hmm. But if you're always constantly moving, you're constantly doing shit, it's like, yeah, you're gathering experience, but you never let that shit internally sit. You never get a chance to let it stew in you and really make sense. So if you're always like one of the things like especially with college, like I'll always recommend for every kid, don't just go to college right out of high school. Take a year and just kind of just fuck around. And see what's going on in life. See what you like. See what you do. Hop into a college classroom. Because I think, like, just as humans, we take everything so much from day to day that we rarely actually sit down and just, like, just sit around and just look. Look at things. Walk around. Look at the park. Look at people. And just observe. Because you'll save yourself a lot more time in the long run. Like, if you think about, like, a, like a chess game. Yeah. You can get a lot more out no, of chess it, games if you're just not moving all the time if you're actually like look at the board.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's a that's a that's a really good piece of advice. Like people they do you learn from other people's mistakes. You know, and I think that whole thing about taking a year off before you go to college is huge, man. A lot of people that I remember reading about Huey Lewis in the news, and Huey Lewis was talking about how I think he took a semester off from college and never went back. Like he went traveling and backpacking in Europe and playing music and he realized like, this is better. This is a better road for me. And he says, you know, he's going to Cornell. I mean, he was going to, you know, top tier college and he just thought, no, I'm going to do that. I I think today there's all these, these unconventional paths are going to lead to much greater success than going the conventional route. Um, And people just need to be willing to take that step, you know, because it's like, you know, we think we live in this whole base sphere and we think that there's a lot of people that are, you know, maybe more risk, you know, risk tolerant. But, man, there's more people enrolled in universities than ever. Um, True. All right. So let's go to this one. I want (laughs) to hear your views on the misnomer of psychedelics.
1: Yeah. So uh, I've noticed on the TL, a lot of people give psychedelics a bad rap. And what I've discovered just from my, my experimentation, I got, geez, because I got about at least 300 DMT trips. And I logged, like, in a journey. That's nuts, bro. Yeah, dude, because I went, I'm not going to say I went.
0: I had, two ni- I had two nights with ayahuasca, by the way.
1: Oh, dude, That's brutal.
0: It, will it changed my life, and that's a whole nother thing. We, I, I, I may have to talk about it with you later. <laughs> no, we that, I mean, one that, that, that 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 really. Well, all right. So anyway, tell me 300, 300 about three hundred. So I
1: got a hundred, like about hundred and fifty logged in my notebook, and then I had a couple hundred even before that because I was feeling like a junkie, low key, because I was just doing repeated trips. <laughs> because, like, like I said, dude, like I was, I had all this free time. I'm getting free money. So I would, like, do my workout, do basic work, and then the rest of the day I will just trip balls and fucking play with my sticks, work out, go out in the world and shit. So what I kind of realized was psychedelics are, like, these tools. Like, you get a lot of people that talk, like, how can I put it? I look at it as, like, a tool. It's, like, weed, alcohol, cigarettes, or anything else. Mm-hmm. Depending on how you use it, it's going to give you different insight. And these trips are, like, 15 minutes. So you're getting these 15-minute trips of just you having these miraculous these miraculous insights on just things in life. And I think the bisno- big misnomer is a lot of people take and they become these fucking woo woo guys and they fuck it up for everybody else because they look like weirdos. But yeah, like some of my, like, like with the maces, all these things, like I, w- I would do DMT and then spin the mace, swing it, and I started to get these different insights, like how the body works. I can feel my fibers in the body. And I started to notice like it's just a state of mind. That's a little bit different, like gives you a, a little bit different from a break of reality. So you can realize like, hey, this thing that I'm existing in, yeah, it, it's real, but there's other shit outside and, and it it's very freeing because you realize like this is not the end all be all. There's going to be more to this after I'm gone, but I started to have way more fun in life. I didn't get so caught up in the day to day. I realized like, dude, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Just be slowly progressing.
0: Man it changed i'm with you i mean for me it was like i i went to other dimensions other universes and it was like you know i had a shamanic death you know experienced where i like i i thought i was dying like i was my i was that was it yeah. for me i was crossing <laughs> over and it went on for a while and it was it's something that you know, they say one night of ayahuasca is 10 years of therapy and I, I didn't, I was like, how can that even be possible? But it is because I, I don't have any need for that now. Um, the insights that I have to this day, and this was back in November, 2016, when I did it, it just stays with you forever, man. And it, you don't have those same fears. And one thing you talk about was, you know, like swinging the mace. Whenever I got back to the States, I did this overseas, but I got back to the States. And I remember for about three or four weeks, when I got back, my brain was like rewired. Like I could feel. I actually, this is. I haven't talked. I'm going to do a whole video on this, but I felt like a, an electrical pulse dude, going through same my, thing, like a little like my zzzz. brain. Yes, I felt the same sensation. Are, are you serious, dude? I, you no, no. I, I felt. I felt like this electrical pulse, and I was scared to tell anybody about it. Like they're not going to understand this. Yeah, but at my <laughs> dex, my dexterity. Like my hand-eye coordination, like we I, I remember playing handball, you know, like inside a racquetball court and dude, I was just like money in the bank. Like I never played so good in my life and I actually talked to my shaman. I checked in with him and I said, I said, and I'm not going to drop his name, but I said, Hey man, I'm not, um, like my hand-eye coordination and my dexterity and fluidity, my kinetic chain is better than it's ever been. Like, what is this all about? He's like, that happens. Like, this this is something that can happen. And eventually it went away. <laughs> but this lasted for like, again, probably three to four weeks after I did it. It was very intense for about two weeks. Um, but it was, these are profound substances. When I see these guys on Twitter that are saying this is for losers, doesn't make your life any better. My opinion, Mace, is that if you haven't done psychedelics, your opinion is totally irrelevant. irrelevant dude. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's like we're not telling you and we're not telling you like you need to go do it like I'm not trying to you know advance like that's one thing about ayahuasca I don't try to sell the shit to anybody because I know how powerful it is how traumatic it can be how power and it-, it can be the best thing ever it can be the worst thing ever it can be a combination of both but I'm not going to go sell it to you as in everybody should do this because it's the way I, I don't do that because it's actually for not a lot of people Yeah, for a select group, you know what I mean?
1: I think, like, especially the first time, there is, like, a cleansing aspect where it purges you of the fucking, the bullshit, all the shit that you ever thought that was even possible. All the things you thought were constraints of reality, it purges those misnomers. And I think, like, the second, third, and, like, the other ones, the subsequent trips, you get way more insight. But that first one's rough because you're just... Yeah.
0: (laughs) So maybe I should do it again. No, I For me, the first night was amazing. The second night was incredibly traumatic. And I just, it was one of those things to where it actually took me, like there's an integration period. Dude, it took me months and months and months to finally, you know, come out of it. Like I had a super, I guess I'm sensitive to plant medicine. That's something I kind of, I, I've learned too, is that, you know, some people are just more robust in how they can handle these things. And for me, it was like the experience of a lifetime.
1: Really, man. Yeah. It's, not, it's unexplainable. Yeah, I, you can't explain it.
0: Yeah, I can't. And it's like, I'm going to do, again, I'm going to do a long form video and talk about everything that happened because, you know, everybody's experience is unique, but at the same time, there are these themes that run through someone that's had like a DMT ayahuasca experience, no doubt about it. Um, and it's good to chronicle it and talk about it. But um, yeah, it, it's just it, it, people that haven't experienced it or are open to the conversation like it's done you a world of good. It's expanded your mind and your horizons and you're doing things you might not have done, you're more creative, like there's all these things. You're more like, you know, if you died tomorrow, you know, you you might be okay with it. And I kind of feel the same way. It's like, I who knows what's gonna happen? But I don't think it ends here. I think it keeps going.
1: I got theories and, on that, but we we'll have to say that for another time, dude. Yeah, <laughs> but
0: it's kind of like, I. but I just, I, after having that experience, but anyway, um, <laughs> it's not for everybody but um i i just i just don't want to hear people that haven't ever done it that because you know my family like i remember telling them about what happened and they were like uh, you know i'm like all right dude like we can't
1: i can't discuss this with you you're know? not even open-minded enough to even comprehend what i'm trying to explain yeah to you. well they see you as a tripper yeah yeah like, you this get is, this number this
0: yeah this this, this <laughs> is not just tripping guys no way
1: no dude it's it's I don't even think it's a drug, dude. It's like a portal to some fucking other thing. Yeah, I don't even know. I wouldn't even classify it because you don't exist anymore. You are gone. It's like just yeah, your exactly. pure energy. Yeah, you are just pure energy, kind of just exploring the universe for a minute.
0: All right, so listen, we've we've yeah. uh, let's go. Let's we'll we'll wrap it up um, with the topic of no country for basement.
1: Yeah, dude. So uh, as as the integrate ah, I I started thinking about this. This came from one of my trips. As the internet begins to become more pugent through the rest of the, the world, eventually there becomes this homogenization of human beings where we all have this giant group think of the same culture and all the outliers, all the base guys who kind of operate reality. I mean, you can maybe go to like another country, maybe go live in these third world countries, but at the end of the day, at a certain point, unless you're fighting to keep the internet and keep other cultures out of your thing, we're gonna eventually end up with just a giant America around the fucking planet. Yeah, and at that we point, call that glo-
0: global homo, right? Yeah, like global, global <laughs> yeah, you know. So you know, global homogen if People think oh, it means homo. It doesn't mean homosexual. It means homogenized culture. Like exactly. everything, there's a sameness to everything, right?
1: Yeah, and I think that yeah, as more food and life becomes easier to live for everybody, the natural state of things like the gayness will essentially permeate through the rest of the world and there's not gonna be anywhere for you to go you're gonna be stuck in it like maybe you can go get an island where you can try to be self-sufficient even if you got farmland you still gotta be able to integrate so this idea that like maybe all base dudes can get together and try to make like a societal thing but i think at a certain point like just our kind are essentially going to be i'm not going to say die out but we're going to be a very small minority even smaller than what we are there's nowhere for us to go you're kind of stuck with it so you got to learn how to navigate this country
0: yeah that, that, dude i think you've uh i think you nailed it because you know there's some of these you know nomad capitalist channel this guy that tries to get people you know seven and eight figure entrepreneurs residency in you know, like the Caribbean or these like, you know, Central Eastern Europe or, you know, somewhere in like Southeast Asia. And it's like, man, those are like, those are like culturally so different. So I think, I think what we're talking about is the world that's kind of like the developed inhabitable world. Yeah. <laughs> places that you may want to be are all going to be, you know, kind of turn into this. And then you may have these other places that are like, you know, Kazakhstan or like Iran that they're going to be closed off from that i mean maybe not i mean you never know yeah but they might like they may really resist it but they're just not places that we're going to be able to inhabit so it kind of comes back to the original thing of you know we're going to have to find a way to make this shit work for us and and we're going to have to find a way to connect with other guys and try to find a way to support each other do get-togethers but it is difficult. That's the one thing. It is our, like, base guys are a lot of us are loners and independent-minded.
1: Exactly. That's the problem with putting us all on one island. We wouldn't even want to be like that way around each other. That, well, that's the issue. Is that, like, you know,
0: that, that's the thing I've noticed is, and that's, that's something about Twitter, too, is that you start trying to do something creative and different, and you show your head, you know, some of these guys that you thought were behind you are going to be like, oh, man, Mace is trying to do, you know, he's actually trying to make something of this business. Or he's trying to make something of himself. So it's it's kind of it's interesting how it works, but we do need to find, you know, I don't know exactly what it is, like where we can all congregate and and do something together. Um, I think the biggest thing is we just got to keep, you know, you got to keep building your brand. I've got to keep building mine. You know, let's get see what we can do with the base brotherhood and bring more people into the fold. But we've got to start bringing people in like because I know some guys that are not like they're not Twitter guys but they're based as hell. Right. And they just don't know other base guys. And like, we've got to do some kind of outreach and get people together.
1: Yeah. It's, what do you think? Dude, I agree. It's, it's a tough one. Cause like, I think it all devolves into like the Twitter, like base guys are going to be, cause our natural state is like competitive. So even if you put us all together, yeah, yeah we're going to have fun, but it's more fun to be the base guy amongst the normies so you can kind of manipulate the normies like it's to our advantage like there's no benefit to all of us coming together and living in a society unless we're going to live like some fucking nomads hunting and shit like that but we can extract more from the planet if we conjugate every once in a while go back to our domains yes take resources from the normies then come back reconjugate see how we can build again and keep (laughs) doing that cycle it's almost like we're hunting normies to some degree I think it makes
0: sense, though, because it's like you, you put too many like alpha types together and they're going to start like, you know, whatever. But at the same time, if you do it every now and then, like you do it, you know, maybe a couple times a year. And I think there's ways of doing it, too. I, I think that and, and that's something that I think we should all brainstorm. Um, So do you have a group of guys in Austin or
1: in like the uh, area I that you found, can get together with? I, I found two dudes out here, two dudes that like, I, I kind of semi kick it with. Like we kick it, but. They're fucking busy. <laughs> We're all fucking busy. Right. So I might see right. them like once a week. We might get a workout in. We'll train at the park or something like that. But yeah, it's like, that's the thing with base dudes. Like they got shit to do. <laughs> we can't just get around and go get brunch together. Like it's like, we'll see each other maybe once a week, trade barbs, get a workout in and go back to our fucking domains.
0: <laughs> no, that's that, that is kind of how it works. <laughs> It is. It is getting people together is a real fucking chore, man. It, <laughs> it is. is, but but we got it. We got it. <laughs> That's why that we wife is it. so
1: important, man. Because dude, your base brother, that fool's gonna have a fucking family. He's gonna be off doing some shit. So you gotta have a. Your boy's not gonna be your running mate for life. I mean, he's he's still yeah. your boy in times of war, but in times of peace, you gotta have that wife. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, it is. So so let's that, let's let's, let's yeah. wrap it up with that because that's an that's a good one to wrap it up with. Yep, done deal, man. How do you how how do you find that that, that so? Let's talk about a based woman. Um, how do you attra- how do you find that kind of woman? Like how how does that how does is it? A, I mean, it's not going to be on Instagram. I don't think no, right. No, no. So how do you how do you attract that kind of woman into your life?
1: Uh, it's it's a fluke game. You got to never be trying to. What's the word? Never peacock. Like she's going to either be attracted to you or not. So I walk around pretty much everywhere in Austin in gym shorts, in a hoodie. Like I'm dressed nice. I'm in shape. But I look for women who look at me first. And I don't try to dress up where I'm attracting so much attention. I want her to be like, okay, that guy kind of looks like I like him. And then you kind of make a play off of there. Because like my girl kind of found me. She tried to put herself in my vicinity. I just kept noticing like this bitch is still fucking always around me. What is she doing? And it's like back in college, so yeah, it's like yeah. She, she's gonna have to be attracted to you. And I, I think most girls, for the most part, they don't know how to play that game. They don't know how to make themselves available to a guy unless he shows that he has all this wealth or he has certain sort
0: of shit. Yeah, I think you make a good point. Is that they kind of choose you? Like with 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 my wife, I went up to her and let her know, like, hey, I think you're you know you're something. You know, I was into it, but she reciprocated. I mean, she true. was into it as well. You know what I mean? So it was like, and in the end, I think it was more of like, you know, she made the decision more like, she's like, this is the right guy for me.
1: That's the key you point. And she has to make the decision in her mind that she wants to go on this ride with you.
0: Yeah. So I had to kind of wait for her because I was like, okay, maybe she's the right one. But when she like, let me know, like you're the guy for me, I was like, okay, now
1: we've got a good one. Yeah, but most guys are doing the chasing. They're trying to bring in – I try to repel as many women as possible and see which ones stick around. Yeah, but that's hard to do, <laughs> you know,
0: being, like, ripped and swinging around this mace in, like, Zilker Park. But, yeah. no. Yeah, <laughs> but you do a little bit of
1: peacock. You got to try to get a little bit of fun in. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, you do. You do. Man, listen, I really appreciate you joining us tonight. I, I, I It's kind of long overdue, you know. but no, no uh, problem, man. I enjoy it. Thanks for, like, su- you know, supporting me on Twitter, supporting the base Brotherhood and – um, we'll have to do it again here before too long. And I, I tell you what we will have we certainly do is, uh, when I come through Texas in the next couple of months, we're going to have to get together in Austin.
1: Done deal, man. Done deal. All
0: right. Awesome, brother. We appreciate you.